Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Guys, we have Maddie Thompson here. He was the winner of our private group last year and he's been on a couple of videos before and we we're just discussing his little fall from grace at the, the end of last year. He's ranked 33 after round 23 and I ended up beating him. He could end up at about 110. So um, really good player in fantasy, guys. He's uh, very, very helpful in the private group as well. So absolutely appreciate that. He's got his brother's mic, so we should have some good sounds out here. And today we're going to be going through a sort of a, a checklist, a quick checklist on on all the players that I'll, I'll kind of just check, I, I, I think, and, and we'll get Maddie's thoughts on all of the players in this list. And we're going to have a look at his team as well, uh, either in, during the middle or at the end. So stick around for that. And uh, it's very different to a lot of teams that I've seen, and there's so many different ways you can go about it. So welcome in, Maddie. And um, uh, how's the uh, how's the offseason been for you? I know you went to, to Thailand, but since coming back, you're kind of in manic mode at the moment. Hey, man. Yeah, I'm good. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't say manic mode per se, but like the weekend has definitely thrown around a lot of options. I think my team's changed like a hundred times in the last like three days since I've been back. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been pretty interesting just like working out all the different combinations that you can play around with and you change one thing in one position and then it enables you to completely change your team um, or you change one gun. Like you go from a Cam Murray to a Harry Grant and you can completely change your team um, in certain positions. So, yeah, I think it's a lot of like playing around. But at this stage of the season, like normally, uh, we'd be pretty locked in. And I think this year it's uh, it's a lot tougher, especially with the two team lists. How are you going to play that team list? I'm seeing. I'm also seeing guys in the comments that are asking uh, if all the team lists will be named at the start here. We just get the four game, uh, the four team lists here on on Tuesday, guys. Uh, and only those players will lock and your vice and your captain. And then the second week you can, um, yeah, the next team list will come and all those guys that haven't played yet, you can move around in your side. So what's your strategy going into that mate. And then a, a sort of general round one strategy that you have. 
Uh, so my strategy with that is to just really decide on those original players uh, for that first team list, like decide if I want to go Cam Murray or Harry Grant. I think that's one that I'm kind of tossing up between um, similar cash. Um, so yeah, it's just, you don't want to get yourself stuck where you want to buy a Harry Grant or you want to buy a certain player, but you've had, you've got all this cash locked up in the first, uh, in the first round. So I think deciding on the big players uh, in that first round, especially like um, any of the manly boys, the, like if you want to go for Haas or not, um, I'm personally skipping Haas this season um, just because I think he's at value. And, you know, I think he peaked at like 900K last season and he's at 880 now. So I just kind of don't really see any upside. Um, and I think that your second guy should be should be someone that you can have some upside that's got a bit of value because um, we've got so much money in Cleary. Um, so I know a lot of people are going for Heinz. Uh, I'm personally not, but I understand like locking in two guns, but I think um, we want to be generating cash. Um, so going with my round one strategy, I think it's all about finding a balance between generating cash and scoring points. Um, but if you can get value in every position besides maybe Cleary, then you're going to generate the points and you're going to generate the cash. So it's all about finding value and then there's certain positions I think uh, that are much harder to find value like center and wing fullback. Um, and yeah, you'll see my team is a little bit different to other people um, where I've liked to lock in a couple of solid players um, just because I feel like there's a lot of value in other positions. Okay. Talking in your center and wing fullback, we will get into that. Um mm -hmm. Cause they're, they're tough positions, right? And, and you know, it's always good to say that we're, we're trying to lock in points in sort of the positions in the middle of the park in, in the hooker, the mids and stuff like that, which are kind of guaranteed points in a way. Whereas the, you know, the centers and the wing fullbacks are very volatile in that. Do you, so you're just basic basing it solely off of where the value is and, and maybe those, you know, that wing fullback position is pretty tough, obviously just trying to lock in guys that you don't have to waste trades on and, and sort of use trades on, you know, potentially other positions, which, uh, which have a bit more high scoring and, and some value around it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I think that, um, you know, there's been in previous seasons, we've had like the likes of turbo and Teddy and all of that kind of priced up around the 750, 800 mark. Um, so I think under 700, you can kind of play around a little bit more. It's, it's not too bad. Like, um, value wise, like if turbo comes out and scores a 40, um, average for the first three rounds, it's not really going to hurt you too much, especially because right. you're not going to need to trade him. Um, whereas if you start with a mid-ranger, like I know you're keen on Simonson, if he's, if he's fit um, and he could go really well um, and center is a different position, but if he flops or even if the likes of um, like a Suli kind of flops or that kind of thing, even though I am playing with Sully in my team at the moment, <laughs> I, I think I think it's a, you don't want to be wasting trades on keepers in the wing, fullback and center positions. You want to be using trades on the positions that are going to make you the most points essentially. So yeah, if you can avoid wasting trades early, like, cause you just want to essentially be picking up the, the cash cows that come up. Um, so yeah, if you can lock in those keepers, I see you bringing up my team here. We may as well. We're talking about it. So um. <laughs> 
yeah, I suppose we'll pop it up here. We'll, we'll get into the players individually um, in a sec, but um, exactly what you said there, you're kind of playing with a couple of, you know, mid-ranger and a, and a gun center there. You've got Turbo in there with, you know, Seb Chris Loop um, with, you know, Ben Trebojevic and a, a KO Weeks on the emergencies. Mate, the big thing I saw with this team when I popped it up was obviously, you know, spending a bit more cash down below it. It does balance out the squad a bit more, um, which is a, a, you know, a very solid strategy at that. And you've got cover in each position as well, which is, which is really important. So um, yeah, I just thought I'd pop it up there before we sort of get into it and, and show the the type of strategy you're going for with that center and the wing fullback. And then, yeah, really from there, you can just target the value. And and the big thing I'm seeing here mate, is that um, there's no real guys in this list that you're worried about heading into round one in terms of, oh, they could flop and get like a, an eight or a 10 or something like that in your starting side. And, um, and all the bench guys there, you've got the other loop in, in safe path as well. That, um, yeah, really anyway, everyone in your 17 should score solidly and, and you won't fall too far behind, behind the pack. Is that kind of like a general thought in, in trying to get a decent round one and two score? Yeah, I think it's pretty important to, um, to start well, as we've seen in previous seasons, like, um, if you have a good start and you pay attention and you're, you're an active uh, fantasy manager, you can stay up the top um, as long as you manage your trades, obviously towards the end of the season. But uh, it's, it's possible like you did last season to, to shoot down what were you like 14 K or something. And 30, then you, 35 after 30, round two, 35. Yeah. 35 um, to start there and then to shoot back up. But it's, it's much easier to a lot of the guys that, that come in that top 10, top 20 kind of thing they have a really good start so yeah i think it's important to balance that making cash and just having none of your 17 kind of below that 30 point mark um you know you, you've got that we're gonna have to have a 16 17th man uh, or at least just a 17th man that scores in that 30 to 35 range like ideally you want everyone scoring over 40 but obviously round one it's a bit tough to to get all of those players in but um yeah i think you can spread the cash which is kind of what i've tried to do is to spread the cash and then have none of these scores below 30 um so like in my wing fullback center if i i would hope that um you know said chris and Suli, like they're probably my weak points but they have the potential to score 40 plus um mm -hmm. but they should score 35 kind of thing like hopefully um at a minimum so well 30 at a minimum like but 35 yeah. average kind of thing over those first few weeks so yeah i think you can fall behind um if you start with all cheapies in the wing fullback and center you're giving up a lot of points because if you've got like the likes of um a turbo scoring a 50 or a week scoring a 20 um that 30 points early um can yeah shoot you up a bit but obviously there's other positions that uh so i've got like a flegler where someone might have i don't even know um what's it like uh, a hop good i don't know someone no one's really running two gun mids to be fair probably more the hooker probably more the hooker or the um half where True. someone someone might be a grant and a um Bogarty or a moses or something like that where you you might be lacking there but you're gonna make it up in the wing fullback so it's, it probably doesn't really matter too much hey in that round one where you place it, it's more just if those guys, the centers, the wing fullbacks flop, like, yeah, I had drink water last year and, and that was a big flop, obviously 
with his sin binning and or send off whatever it was. So um, if you expect these guys to actually be fairly consistent, then it doesn't matter where you spend the money, right? As long as you're getting that value. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I've tried to just choose players like Penasini. I feel like he's got a decent base uh, with all the tackles and things like that, where, you know, on, on a bad day, he's going to score maybe a 30, 35. Like his floor is a lot higher than a lot of the other centers um, yeah. that you can get. Same with Turbo. I feel like with Turbo, it's an interesting one because I don't see him in any teams really no. that, that get sent through to the private group. And I I just think it's strange because, yes, last season he, he didn't have a great season, but he was in and out of the team. Um, everything coming out of Manly is saying he's, he's back to, you know, his form from a couple of years ago. He's running the same uh as fast as he used to and etc cetera, etc cetera. and like his last injury wasn't actually a hammy injury um it was what he dislocated his shoulder peck. was it pecker was it peck. peck so the issue with turbo was uh him coming back from injury was his hammy always um and he couldn't get that speed and the explosiveness yeah but i feel like a peck injury shouldn't really hamper him much um and he's had plenty of time to rehab it so He's one of those guys, if you start with him and he flops, easy trade out, like, or he gets injured or whatever, easy trade out. You just pivot to someone else. But if he starts going well and then you jump on him, it's another trade to take him out. So I like to start with a couple of slightly riskier picks or picks that people might not have gone for um, just so that they're there from the start. And then if they don't work out, you can just move them out in one trade to whichever cashy or whichever mid-ranger is popping off. And it's, it's nice and easy gives you an exit route. Cause sometimes you, you start a season and then you get to like round three or four and there's like a cashy popping off or there's like someone going really well and you can't actually get to them because none of you guys are trades at that time. Um, so you haven't trade out a guy that is still making money for another guy that's making more money. Um, so I think it's not, it's not a bad strategy to have a couple of risky guys. If they pay off great. And if they don't, then you just pivot to whoever's next. Yeah. That first few rounds is crazy for, for the um, obviously team value gains and, and yeah, there's going to be a couple of guys in your team that are trade outs and a bunch of them that are, that are going to be steady as well. So I see that as a, as a cool strategy, mate. Um, yeah. So in that center wing fullback, I suppose with, with Tommy there, he has that boom potential and he can go nuts. So it's good to have someone like that in there. Whereas like a Penasini, you're, you're sort of trying to guarantee points solely in there. Um, obviously a little bit more volatile. He could be you know, really, really good as we saw in the trial, but he could be like a, a 20 kind of guy as well. Seb so, Chris, yeah, imagine we're solely, me. Sorry, just interrupt for a yeah. sec. Um, we just got the news that Ethan Strange uh, is not suspended. So if he ends up getting the spot over weeks, um, Sully will become Ethan Strange most okay. likely, and then Weeks uh, will become another wing fullback. Um, so, because I'll need cover for wing fullback in that case. So the, the players that aren't really locked in at the moment, or that I'm a bit on the fence with, are Safe Arth. I just I just put in to one have the loop option, and two to just make the salary remaining at zero. Thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I literally had 359k once I put in everyone else and I was like, okay, whatever. Flanagan, I think that he's going to be a slow burn, but because I'm going for the strategy of Hacho in the starting half, I need a backup half. 
So especially if Weeks is a bit uncertain. Mm. So that's why Flanagan's in there for now. He could come out depending on team lists. Fogarty could easily come in. Um, so that's a, that's another thing. It's like if team lists, you know, if, if Fogarty's named, I could I could definitely see myself starting with him and I'd just have to take money out of other areas. Um, but yeah, I think we'll get another couple of cashies as well. So yeah, that's something to note there, mate. I was just having a look. You've got four guys under 300 only. And we're looking at last year and majority of the team sort of had seven under that, that number. This year's looks probably looks a little bit different. We've spent up a little bit higher and, and had a lot of cashies last year. You've got a lot of guys in that sort of 400s to, to 500s range. Talk us through that and, and why, why that is and, and what you see from, from these guys. Uh, I think every season is different. So every season we get presented uh, a different a different uh, set of prices and then we have to adapt our strategy to kind of fit that. Um, so this season, that's why I've kind of gone a bit heavier in the wing fullback this season than I would have last season, just because last season from memory, we had a bunch of cheap options that we could chuck in wing fullback and center. Um, and this season there's no standout options yet. And there could be like, we could get TLT and we get some, uh, there's talk, uh, you know, Sivo has uh, been suspended for three to four game, crazy. three to four games. Yeah. So, I mean, either Harper comes in and takes the center spot, pushes Simons into the wing. If he's even fit after um, kind of his hammy injury yep. the other day, um, yesterday, or we get Hayes Dunster in on that wing. And, um, and I was chatting to you before we started recording about Hayes Dunster and you were like, not super keen, but I mean, he's so cheap though. He's so cheap, like for 250K and on that wing, like, you know, Dylan Brown's back. We're going to go left a lot, Parapan. Uh, we're going to go left a lot. Um, and yeah, I think that, um, or a lot more that we did last season, at least um, with Dylan Brown back. So, you know, Sivo, I think he scored like four, there was like, a couple games after Dylan Brown got back and there was one that he scored four tries in like last game. We I think, go, yeah. yeah. Last game of the season. So Parago left a lot um, when Brown's in the team, when Brown's not in the team, you know, we don't touch the left side as much. Um, and at least on the left side, we tend to get it all the way out to the winger. Whereas on the right side, uh, it seems to go to Cardi and then he might pass it to Penasini if yeah. we're lucky. Um, and then Penasini will, pretty much just go for it and then if he gets tackled he'll try and do this the offload the flick offload to um whoever's on the wing yeah Russell. so yeah i owned simonson two seasons ago for a little bit um and it was a nightmare because he was on the right wing yeah and he just never got the ball man so i was just like never again with uh see so yeah, i'm not i'm not super hot on russell um unless he moves to the left if he moves to the left uh, but we're not going to know that before before team list so yeah, it does seem fairly easy, mate, that with the four teams being named here, if you've sort of got anywhere between, there's obviously a couple of decisions you have to make. You know, Brandon Smith can be one of those in the hooking position. Um, if you're going a Murray, if you're going a Totola, a Terrell May, these types of guys, Payne Haas's. Um, but it's probably anywhere between sort of four and six guys you have to lock into your side, obviously with Cleary as captain as well. Um, and from there, you can you can really maneuver things around very, very comfortably, right? So try not to stress too much guys coming into this first week because unless you're really going top heavy, like if you're going Murray and Haas and, you know, Cleary or you're locking in like 
Hines as well. And then the next team list came around and, and it was a few curveballs. That would be hard to pivot. But I think if you haven't spent as much in this first week of TLTs, then you're probably fine to maneuver things around, right? Yeah, for sure. That's what I was saying at the start where I, I need to decide on Harry Grant or Cam Murray. Mm. Because if I go with Harry Grant, um, I'll have to take Murray, the, that money from Murray. Um, so, yeah, Brandon Smith has come into my team as of this morning. Um, so he's definitely not nailed on. Uh, I've been playing with Tanner Boyd as well, just yep. because I he has that jewel. And he's still 23 or 24. Um, and, you know, there, there should be some natural improvement. Maybe with Des Hasler, he's going to get some improvement. Um, so, yeah, the trial was kind of a bit up and down. Like he had a couple of good moments and then uh, a couple of drop balls and things like that. Yeah. Um, so... And he's got the buy-in round two. So that's kind of what made me take him out is just because he's got that buy-in round two. And I figured I can have Brandon Smith for the first couple of rounds. And then uh, if Brandon Smith flops or, or whatever, um, I can always pivot to Tanner Boyd at, at some point later down the track if I, if that's what I want to do. Yeah, that sounds really solid, mate. Um, obviously, with the zero salary remaining, is that something that if that was available to you and it's the best team available in round one, uh, would you go with that? Or do you like to have sort of salary in the bank or is it more with the options you've got in the mid range? You, you feel like you can pivot fairly easily. No, I would like to have money in the bank, to be honest. Um, I, I thought about li- like making that safe art spot, just a 250 K guy. And it could easily, that safe art spot could easily go to a 250 K guy and leave me a hundred K in the bank. Right. Um, I just kind of put it all the way up to to just make it at zero. Um, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it, it feels nice to be at zero. Um, but, you know, we've got a 10, 10 million budget. So 100K is what, 1% of that. Um, so 1% of your budget free is not much. Um, and that will enable you to make one trade in round two if there's like someone that you need instead of two trades. Because if you're at zero and you know, the guy that you want is like 10 K more. It's such a nightmare. Like oh, just, you have to you have to make the two trades. And if there's, if there's not a second person to trade out in your team that, that you see as a trade out, then you either have to skip the, the cashy that's popping off that everyone's jumping on, or you have to um, take someone out that you actually like um, to kind of, and double trade to kind of uh, make it work. So yeah, I think early it's really important to to jump on the players um, that are that are popping off that everyone's jumping on. Mm. Like I think a couple of seasons ago it was like Tungo and Crichton, and we had all those things. And I can't remember who was the guys last season that popped off early. That anyway. Preston Cardi, all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Preston Cardi. Um, if you didn't jump on them round two, like or round three at the kind of latest, you kind of. Well, Preston, you didn't miss the window, but with Cardi, we thought he was going to lose the spot. So it was kind of just like um, you had to jump on early. So you need that flexibility early to to pivot um, because you can miss out on, you know, Cardi and Preston made so much money. And if you could pivot straight away in round two, it's great. Um, yeah. So and yeah, you, you need save that a trade too. flexibility, 100%. Yeah, which we saw so, at the back, the back end of the year, cooked us obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having that having that 1% of your, of your team value um, you know, not in the team and just and just chilling. Um, yeah, enables you to make that one trade instead of two, and that it's really yeah. good for longevity of your your trades. That's actually when you look at it that way, it's nothing. Even if you did fifty, 
okay, you know, half a percent. Um, it mm. just seems like a lot and is very, very helpful for round two. All right, mate, just a quick one. Obviously, you guys, with our checklist going into this one, we'll do, we'll go fairly quick um, with the players. And we're looking at, do they have sort of a specific safe role in the team? You've got Tavita's Tola up top, um, very much has a, you know, a specific safe role in the team. So he's someone that is a clear candidate for that one. Are they, you know, do they have the correct min minutes to sort of PPM ratio where they could make some money, right? Are they, do they actually have the minutes available to to do well on a weekly basis? You know, some weeks they could go big, but are they sort of that guy that gets 50 minutes every week or whatever it is? And following that, do they have sort of that seven plus points of value, which is close to 100K? I think eight points of value is about 100 um, for these cashies and mid-tier. And then is their scoring volatile? That's something to note as well with Totola. He's very much a, you know, it'll be 40, 40, 40, 43, 42, that kind of player, whereas some will be a bit more up and down. So when we go through these players, we're going to have that in mind and we're going to try and tick off all of them if we can. And they're sort of a slam dunk pick, easy pick if their scoring isn't too volatile. Um, and uh, yeah, they have some value and obviously they have their, their spot is safe because the last thing you want to do is, is make a bunch of trades with guys that uh, aren't going to be in the team potentially in three weeks because they have one bad game or, someone's coming back from injury and the like. So that's what we're going to be no uh, noting when we go through these players. So we've spoken about Tatola, mate. You've got any further thoughts on Tatola? Is he someone that you're you're pretty keen on? Yeah, he's been in my side most of the preseason. Um, I mean, a lot of people jumped on him last season thinking he was going to have value. And he kind of got, he had his various head knocks and had his issues. But I mean, when he played over 40 minutes last season, he had an average of 42 and, you know, if he gets up around the 50 minutes with his PPM, he could have anywhere from like that seven points of value to like maybe 15 points of value. Um, last season, he didn't score any tries. Um, he didn't get any try assists, no, no attacking stats really. So whereas the season before he scored, I think he scored uh, four and five weeks. percent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He scored, he's good. He had a point two try scoring rate. Um which had him at a 49 average when he played over 40 minutes. So, I mean, if he gets one try uh, in that first six weeks um, before his buy, at least, then that'll bump his average up, um, could be up to around 45 or, or whatnot. So, yeah, I think priced at 35, um, he's just a, a little bit of a layup. Just simple, hey, because that's, yeah, it's what you want to be looking at. And he, he fits that criteria perfectly. Uh, someone like Ruben Cotter, mate, obviously a bit more expensive, but would you say he's in a very similar mold there? Obviously a little bit more volatile potentially, but um, he's someone in your side as well. Yeah, I mean, he was priced up at 750, as you can see there uh, yeah, last crazy. season. And we were all kind of like wondering if we should get him in and a bunch of people did. Um, and now he's down at, like he's, he's dropped nearly 200K and uh, some people are, are going without. I mean, I think this is one of the ones that you just go with the pack, even if you don't think, you're like, oh, well, Cotter might not be a gun. Um, his break-even is 43. That's surely the the worst-case scenario for for a Cotter is he gets around that 43 minutes, uh, 43 points. He's going to get bigger minutes. You had uh, Hess uh, get injured in the trial yesterday as well, which is you would think would only benefit him as well. So, yeah, I think – and he's the captain this season. So I just think there's so much upside and no downside with Cotter. Yep. Um, Michaela's going to be your Alex Safast, by the way. That's how it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Smith, you spoke about him, mate. Uh, used to have been on and off with him. Um, he's, he's an interesting pick, isn't he? It's just not the minutes with him, isn't it? So there's that worry, the minute side of it. 
Um, he definitely has the volatility at that. So maybe doesn't check all those boxes, but what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, he burned us last year. We all know that. Um, he burnt some people more than once. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Roosters are paying him big money and I think he's going to get 60 minutes. And when he when he played 60 minutes last season, he got a, he had like a 47, 48 average. So there's value there. The hooking position is a bit of a weird one this season. I think in previous seasons, it's been a lot uh, more clear cut. Mm. Whereas this season, I think, there's a few different ways you can go. You've got your Robson, your Grant, your Smith, um, your Lusick, your Boyd even. like. But there's no real standout. I mean, Grant's obviously a standout, but he's a lot of money um, to start the season with. And he's got that round four buy. So I think if, if he didn't have that round four buy, he'd be auto in my team. Um, but with Pappenhausen and Grant, having to field two of these, like Tervojevic, Weeks, like Flanagan's in that round four, isn't. I'm not really keen on that. So... Yeah. That's kind of why I'm a little bit off Grant at the moment. I'd kind of, yeah. Uh, and Smith, I think the jewel also helps um, because you can move him into your mids if you need to. So, yeah. At that price, like, I don't see much downside as well, similar to Cotto, like 39. He's priced at 39. I think, you know, even if he's playing 40 minutes, he should he should uh or 50 minutes rather he should he should get that so what have you got through over 50 minutes 46 yeah that was in 22 and then oh, 22. last year's 44. 44 so it's still five points value um at 64 minutes though it's, it's more to see yeah, if they're going to play watson a little bit 13 or not so there's definitely some risk with it but at 540 mm-hmm. 35k cheaper than he started last year is something to note as well so um, similar to that, obviously not a crazy a jump as Cotter, but um, you know, we had him in our team as a must last year, thinking he probably wouldn't play AD anyway, right? Last year, and we had him as a everyone had him as a must. So yeah, it's definitely um a fairly easy pick, right? If you don't want to go up into the six hundreds for for the Robsons and the like, right? Yeah, totally. Awesome, mates. Let's do one more here. So Hilm Lukey at 498, mates. Uh look really good on the weekend. I suppose position. Position-wise, he he has that spot locked up with Lucy Gore now, so we don't have to worry about that like we did last year. Um, probably going to be a bit more volatile, so not sure if he ticks that box, but uh, has lots of upside without a buy until round 16, which is really, really cool. So what are your thoughts on Helam? Yeah, I like him. I mean, I I didn't have him in my team until Luch was <clears throat> was leaving just because there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of mouths to feed in that uh, second row position at the Cowboys. You got Finney Fuyaki as well, um, who will likely come off the bench and he might take a bit of minutes off off Lukey. But I just think that, um, you know, at a break even of 36, I can see him kind of having a, a worst case at around that 40, 40 mark. Yeah. And a best case, um, he gets 80 minutes and he's just a beast, man. Like he yeah. just, he, <clears throat> he can score tries. Like he, he gets attacking stats. Um, he's in that similar mold to like a Preston in terms of how he attacks, but he doesn't defend quite as like, he doesn't make as many tackles from, you know, but I mean, we haven't seen him with that high minutes yet. So there's every chance he could get high minutes. Um, and then in that case, he would be even better of a pick. Yeah. Well, that's 60 minutes there for 42 and a half, which is six and a bit 
value. Um, and that's with gains where he just, um, yeah, it's first year back from ACL there as well. He had some gains where he missed a lot of tackles. They didn't use him that well, which on the weekend he ran for 170 meters, which would be on this list here, the third highest run, uh, meters gained. He had lots of games there with sort of 46 meters, 80, 60, very much underutilized as well. So yeah, huge upside for, for Lukey. You know, he's got an 84 in there, which we had him for last year. Um, but then a 13 the next game. So the volatility is crazy, but he's going to be a fun one. That's for sure. All right, guys. Jamin Salmon is up next at 289K. Mate, if he's in a starting team, he's just a lock and load, isn't he? Yeah, nothing more to say there. Too easy. Lock him in. Sweet. Drew Hutchinson's an interesting one, mate. At 400K, I've kind of got him. Obviously, the safety in the side is potentially there, but it could be a little bit of a worry on that if he has a couple of of bad games and and he has a really nice base. So kind of volatility level, I think is pretty good. What are your thoughts on Drew, mate, at 400K? Yeah, I'm, uh, look, I, I'm really hoping his names. Uh, and I mean, if Fogs is named, I, I could be playing around with things because in my team, as you saw before, I had Hutch and Flanagan. And uh, so if, if he loses his spot in that first few rounds, uh, I'm pretty screwed. <laughs> I need to get a, get yeah. a half in ASAP. So, yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about that. But overall, if you've got another half, especially like if you're starting with a Fogs or a Hines or anything like that, I have no issues at all because you can just move him to someone else easily. Um, when I was watching the trial the other night or the other day, uh, they were talking about like the Fox League commentators were just going on about Sexton like every two seconds. They're <laughs> like, oh, Sexton, Sexton will come on first, like start of the second half and blah blah, and he didn't. He came yeah. in the last 20 minutes, but they were like, let's see what Sexton can do. And they were just like, they were just talking Sexton up heaps. Um, so that concerns me a little bit um, just because I think Serraldo is going to have pressure to put Sexton in if Hacho doesn't start well. Um, or he could even put Sexton on. The, no, I don't think you would put Sexton on the bench, but like there's a, there's a few ways he could, he could go about it. So, I think it's fine because of that base. Um, and I'm, that's why I've got him in my team. But there are concerns for sure, just around yeah. the job security. Yeah, he's not like extremely cheap, right? 400K. Uh, Flanagan, mate, you said you have him in your side as well. Where do you see him sort of averaging out as? I think he could average in around that 35. Um, he was doing some of the kicking. Uh, he, he set up a try uh, to Ben Hunt with a short kick. I think he's going to get a little bit of that short kicking um, from what I could see the, on the trial and um, just gives him that extra option in attack. Uh, whereas before it was a kind of like Ben Hunt doing all the kicking. So yeah, I think being the coach's son is going to change things for him. Um, like I'm not super optimistic. I don't think he's going to come out and score 45 or anything like that. He, he only got in my team just because of the, you know, the issues around half and um, I, I had Moses in my team for a little bit as well. And I just wasn't super sold on him, not losing value early season. I think mid, mid to late season, Moses is a really good option because once the, the middles tire out, he's really like got a nice step on him and he can get a lot of tries and attacking stats. But in that first period, this is part of the reason why we don't normally start with wing fullback guns and center guns is because, and we start with hooker and mid guns is because that initial five, six weeks um, or all the way up until origin, pretty much uh, everyone's, everyone's fit, healthy. Um, 
and everyone's tackling well. Whereas the later parts of the season, all your attacking players, um, like your pongers and things like that, they do really well. So that is the risk of starting with uh, a high price price half. But I've kind of gone on a tangent. But yeah, basically, I don't mind Flanagan, but he's one of those players that ideally you want to be looping him um, because he's got a twenty five in him for sure. Yeah, which he wouldn't want to play. But I think Fogs is going to be there. Ricky's just putting him on ice, so um, they might just fix all your problems. <laughs> um, yeah, Flags, you, you've got him as a buy mate, and I'm obviously on the fence on this one. He did play a lot of minutes. I think it was 56 minutes or something on the weekend. And with Gilbert going down, I still see him personally as you know a big minute middle in this side, but obviously in the front row. Do you think that changes much for him? And and sort of, did you have him in your team before the Gilbert injury? Talk us through it. So I actually got him. I put him in my team uh, at halftime in that game after watching him play 40 minutes straight. Okay. Um, and then and then Gilbert got injured in the second half. Right. So I just saw him playing 40 minutes straight and I figured, are they going to play him 40 minutes straight if he's not going to play 50, 60 minutes? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's fair. So with Flegler, like I, I brought up, uh, some stats from last year when he plays over 50 minutes. So if, if we just say he gets 50 minutes, um, he averaged 45 uh, last season. So there's what, eight points of value straight up. Um, so yeah, I, I think is, I think is a good play. I think locking in those mids that are going to make that kind of, uh, you know, eight to 15 points of value. Cause he could get 60 minutes and he could be, um, closer to a 50 point guy potentially mm. um there was a, a thing on nrl.com i saw last night as well with flegler coming out he's, he was interviewed and in, or fox sports i think it was he was interviewed and he, he was like you know I, I left the broncos because i wanted to get out of pain shadow and carrigan's shadow basically and i wanted to like stamp my authority on a team and be the leader of the pack and uh i think he's gonna have license to do all that so I see him as an upside play, but I mean, it could, it could ease. I think, I think the downside is low with, with Flegler. Yeah. And I suppose, is he someone that come that round three by you can assess from there? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Exactly. Um, so that's the the annoying thing is the the round three buy, but. I mean, if you've only got one dolphin, if you're not going with an Aitken, um, then it it's fine um, to have that looper. And then, yeah, if he if he's if he comes out in round one and two and and does like forty minutes for thirty five points, you can just easily move him to whoever's 
doing well, um, whether it's an Adam Elliott or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. The 513K, it's not, not an overload, is it? When you're looking at him being 20 odd K above like Tatola and, and Tyrrell May and these kind of guys, and he's like the clear, the clear guy in his team, isn't he? So that's definitely a win with Flegler. I suppose it's, yeah. Can you get, if he can take away the Simmons and, and that kind of stuff from his game, then, then there's some upside on that as well. So yeah, I'm definitely not like heavily against him. And this Gilbert news obviously makes it that little bit more comfortable for him to be that like clear alpha. Now um, the big minute guy in this team, Penasini may have too much to say on him apart from like, he looked more improved. Obviously I can't believe I've got scoop and, and yourself as the two resident Eels fans on this, uh, on this uh, podcast, but um, at 582 mate, he had bigger hair and he, he looked bigger and stronger himself. Yeah, the hair was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he looked bigger, stronger. He's, he's still 21. Um, I just think that he's he's got that upside to be uh, to be a really consistent scorer and in a team that, you know, hopefully should improve on last season with starting with dogs round one um, and then the draw from memory is, isn't, the, isn't the toughest in that initial period. So oh yeah, there it is. Just Penrith down yeah. too, but then Manly Tigers at home, Canberra. Like it's pretty, it's pretty soft. Besides that, Penrith. Um, yeah. So far, yeah. Um, <clears throat> round eight by. Yeah, the only the only issue is like the buy. Um, so if you're wanting, like most people are going with the Lusick. So you've got Panasini, and then if you're looking at a Sean Lane or you're looking at any other eels, then. Penasini might like, or if Hayes Dunster becomes an option or mm. something like that, then Penasini might be a bit, I might be a bit more on the fence with him um, just because you don't want to have three players out. It's a nightmare if you have three players out in one, in one week. So yeah, especially you could argue that Hayes Dunster would be out of the team by round eight. So maybe mm. you could start with him, but that's the only concern I have with him. Otherwise I think he should be, he should get that natural improvement on last season and um, with Moses back in the side because um, he was out of the side for that later portion of, of last season, he should get good ball and um, get some tackle busts and offloads. Yeah. That, that trial on the weekend was just an insight into exactly what they look like last year when they were playing good um, and they're more chance of, of playing better for the, for the rest of the season. And that is, I think it's around nine by in the end. So I think by then you, you should have your centers, sorted in in some way as well um, which will be helpful so yeah penasini good chance of, of being in all our sides mate with, with Sully, is it more just a based on obviously i spoke about him as having that bounce back potential from last year a little bit down here he looks fitter he looks stronger as well and and that left side's pretty good isn't it with ravalawa there now and and um jaden seward showing his his talent as well yeah, I think the Fox commentator said that Sua was going to move over to the right-hand side when Luch comes in. Okay, which makes um, sense. But either way, like Luch is, is a a good ball runner. Like that side will be that side will be pretty dangerous. Mm. So um, he just looks so good in the trial, to be honest. Like I, I hadn't had him in the team before the trial and I wasn't really – I mean, I was only considering him because of the price and because under that 450 mark – the only other options are kind of Seb Chris and um, Rocco Berry, who I wasn't thinking about until the trial as well. Um, he looks like he's he's possibly set for some improvement and he's around that 400K mark in a Warriors team that are looking really good. Oh, yeah. Um, that should score a bunch of tries. So, 
Yeah, I think um, Sully is one of the ones that like I'm not stoked about starting with him. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, over the moon about it. But I uh, and he he could easily come out of my team for a strange or for someone else. Um, but I think he has the ability to just be so explosive. Um, and uh, yeah, you need you need those options in your team that have high upside, and I think he's got that high upside. Yeah, there's no real like regression for um you know tries or try assists or anything going down because that's yeah definitely wasn't part of his game last year and i think through this middle period there mate sort of that what round five to really to sort of like round 13 there where he had well into the hundreds meters gained each each one and that's where he gets those tackle breaks like you saw on the weekend he's not going to be a massive uh defensive guy but he doesn't miss many tackles either so really looking for some upside in attack and um you see so many games there it's like 31 31 29 38 then he'll have a 50. Like he's he's fairly consistent with the odd low game in a pretty average side. So, and their start to the season is not bad either. So he's definitely someone I'm looking at as well, mate. Let's go to the next one, which is Seb Chris, the 395. He's uh, in your side. You think he's a very just viable option to, to loop round one. And are you expecting him in the centers? Yeah, I think he'll come in the centers, but I mean, you never know with Ricky. Yeah. Um, he'll be in the team. I think. He'll be in the team. I think having him as the loop option round one, especially if we can chuck him in your center spot um, and have uh, Ben Travojevic on the bench is a really good option. Um, so that if Ben Travojevic in that first weekend, if he comes out and posts a, you know, a good score, then you just keep Seb Chris there in your centers. Um, but if he com- comes out and gets injured in the first few minutes or, you know, for whatever reason, scores like a 20 points or whatever, then you can just move Seb Chris to a Rocco Berry or to someone else playing uh, in that second, in that second week. Um, So that gives you that flexibility to, um, yeah. So, so, I mean, like, I think I'm not super sold on Seb Chris. He's got, I think he's got an upside of about five points from when he plays center from what I, uh, from what I looked at. Yeah. at least last season, I think he's, he's, he's been getting better. I mean, last season was kind of his towards the end of the season. He, he was getting better. He's got that kind of tackle bust um, in him. He doesn't have a whole lot of offloads. Um, so yeah, he's one of those guys that it's like, he's in there because of the price and the jewel. Um, but if he has to come out, I'm not super worried. But yeah, that's fair. It's definitely helpful on that. I suppose the big thing with um with the Raiders actually didn't look, like a, a bottom bottom team, they still look solid without fogs, without you know, um Tarpany and stuff like that. Like Cowboys were full strength and and playing it like a real game, basically. And um, yeah, they were beating them for, for good parts of it. So they won't be a terrible team. So I suppose that was kind of the worry with a lot of having a lot of Raiders guys. And I think you can probably dispel that theory there. Tanner Boyd made a 635. We were talking about him yesterday. Um, after that first half, especially that good he had a really nice cutout ball, and we're like, oh, maybe he, ha- he can actually improve. Um, on where he was at and obviously does the bulk of the kicking next to four and it was Weaver yesterday and obviously a nice draw to kick things off without uh, with the round two bye is hurtful again in and out of both of our sides at the moment and is he more you're looking more at him just on having um, yeah the hooker cover as like your first or second guy but then also your um, being a second half as well yeah I was looking at him in that Brandon Smith slot um, just as the kind of first bench because then he covers hooker and he covers half <clears throat> um, and he can easily slot into that starting half 
job when required. Um, I just think his downside is very low. And the other hookers I look at, I like the Robson, like I'm a bit, I'm not super sold on Robson just because I, I bought him at, and it could just be that I bought him at 800K last season and like around eight or nine going yeah. into origin thinking he wouldn't, he would play all the origin rounds and whatnot. And then he makes origin and then falls off a cliff and doesn't score. I think he finished the season at like 500K. So Ugh. that was uh, watching him every week, owning him from like round I don't know, nine to like round to the end and not being able to trade him because I, I needed to save trades and, and only use them for, you know, on uh, problems. Anyway, I, I missed my opportunity <laughs> to get off him. Trauma. And it, it, it burnt me. So I, I'm sticking away from him. He didn't look great in the trial yesterday. I mean, he didn't look bad, but he didn't. Yeah. It's just the same as last end of last season. So I think with Tanner Boyd, he's, he's kicks goals. You would think that the Titans have, could improve under, under Des. Des has been known to get more out of attacking sides and more out of attacking players and things like that, potentially like turbos and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that uh, he's a okay pick. He's got the buy-in round two. So that's the only uh, slight issue, but you can use him as a looper as if you're not going with a Keeney, um, which came out of my side yesterday. Um, mm. Then, yeah, I think he's, I, when I took Keeney out and I put him in basically because I, I thought, that uh, if I'm not going to have Keeney, then I could have a Boyd, but I didn't want to have both of them for sure. Okay. Yeah. You just like, you look at those scores, it's fairly consistent across the board and he has some, some upside games. Like he was playing unbelievably through that middle period. And I suppose like he'll have last year, we had months of footy where he was really good. Whereas I suppose a year older and um, it's still his team, right? At, at seven. And, and um, hopefully the team is a little bit better with a nice start that he could take another little bit of a leap. But I suppose that, you know, having, the dual position, if you can get him at a 50 average, we'd all be fairly happy, I think. Um, yeah, Robson, you spoke enough about him. He just yeah, seemed the same. So uh, I think he he's going to be fine because obviously he's priced down compared to, you know, uh, you know, last year, obviously he came into it at 804K, he kicked off the year at. So he's much cheaper on that and uh, could definitely be an option. But just, yeah, he just looked very similar to the back end of last year, didn't he? So, all right, mate, Cam Murray, uh, every reason... A lot of people should be starting with him. His sort of ownership percentage is creeping up now at 10 and a half. Potential upside you see on him and, you know, playing close to 80 minutes. Is that what we're thinking? He was 68 last year. Um, look, I'm not sure about the minutes. Um, yeah. I, I'm not gambling on close to 80. I think anything above kind of that 65 is, is, is just pure upside. I mean, Last uh, season before last, 2022, he um, he averaged 63 fantasy points in 65 minutes. Uh, actually, that's with a one-point game. So yeah, 67 take... in 70. Yeah, when you do it over 60 minutes, oh, let's go over 50 minutes to be sure. Yeah, 67 and 70. Um, yeah, but massive. yeah, when it's over 60. 10 points of value. It's just, <laughs> it's just a lot. There's a potential value. I mean, he's... His um, attacking stats were, uh, I was listening to the Fantasy Amateurs uh, pod earlier this morning. Shout out to those guys. Um, and uh, Mark made a good case for him having upside in the attacking stats. Um, last season, they had no Latrell for a lot of uh, long periods. They had um, 
you know, Demetrio coming in and, and changing things around. So there's the potential for upside there. If Mamazoulis is on the bench, um, mm. then I think he's he's an easy slot into my side. But if they run with a four forward bench, I might shift him to Grant. Oh, yeah. I suppose you're looking between those two. Mate, the big thing with him last year was the um, the demerits. 1.1 penalties a game, 0.7 errors. So like if that went back to 2022 levels, he's sort of five points undervalued just on just on the um, reducing those negatives to like normal levels because 1.1 penalties and 0.7 errors for a middle forward is pretty disgusting to be fair. So um, yeah, just, yeah, even if that reverts back to the mean, speaking of, of Harry Grant, there are 788. We're obviously a lot of us were kind of off him if, if Bloor was available and we could kind of go elsewhere, but the hooking stocks are looking probably even worse than before the preseason trials. Right. So um, he's kind of firming into being in my side at the moment. And what's the big appeal for you? I started with him last season and it was just uh, mm. like, I remember like talking to you and talking to other people and everyone was just had the biggest FOMO over Grant and yeah. just having him locked in from round one to up to origin was just like that safety blanket. You didn't need to worry. He's really, he's, he's a good watch as well. Like I think um, I like to have, I like to have a, a differential or like, sorry, a player in, um, that's not owned by, you know, everyone, not like a Nathan Cleary or something um, in those good teams, like Storm, Panthers, um, Broncos or whatever, um, because it gives you some kind of more interest in the game. So if you only have Pap in the Storm, you're not as as keen to watch Storm games because um, yeah. everyone will have Pap. But if you have Grant, then you're, you're pretty keen to watch Storm games. Um, they're fun to watch. So, too. yeah, and they're fun to watch. They're attacking, like, so having extra Penrith and Storm players I, I always like. Um, it's a shame that there's no real standouts in Penrith this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he starts the season really well. Um, as we were saying before, early season from the last couple of years at least, it's kind of been a bit of a middle battle. Everyone's had fresh energy and um, there hasn't been as much uh, high scores on the in the outside backs. Um, and there's a lot of tackling through the middle high tackle numbers, a lot less missed tackles. So you can see, yeah, four, 59 tackles in round one, um, just insane, 47 tackles. Like his base is just so high and his upside, attacking upside is uh, kind of uncapped as well. Do you see there much, being much of an issue? That start is absolutely wild for them. Penrith, Warriors look amazing. Knights will, by round three, they'll probably work it out. Um, the buy, obviously, then Broncos. So last year was... Tough one, close one against the Eels, went to overtime. Um, Dogs, Titans, Tigers in his kickoff. Do you see the him in against these tougher teams really having to step up and sort of getting those run meters and potential tackle breaks and the like anyway with the big tackle numbers? Do you see it being much of an issue for him, the, the tough games? No, I don't see it being an issue. Like if you, if you look down, like there's another Eels game, 73, Panthers, 54, Roosters, 62, Sharks, 91, like, it, it seems like he actually uh, does almost better in the um, in some of the harder games because his base just goes up uh, quite a bit. So yeah, not stressed at all about the draw. I'd be I'm more stressed for the likes of Pap for the draw, but not for a Grant. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're a top four team anyway, right? So they'll they'll be matching it with these these top teams. So um, yeah, it really just is that buy, isn't it? That we that we need to stress about. Um, Fogs, mate. If he's if he's named round one, do you like do you have much of an issue with with where he's at, or is kind of Raiders looking decent 
um, help you with with your thoughts in in picking Jamal like myself? Yeah, if he's named, I think I'll be trying to get him in my side. Um, more than likely, I'll be I'll be shifting some things around. Um, just because it's good to have that second halfback locked in, and we saw when he was at the Gold Coast that he had that. Did he have that run where he was like averaging fifty five or something like that? Um, yeah, whenever he didn't get injured. Yeah, when he when he wasn't injured, he kicks goals. Um, fifty nine. Yeah, it's insane. He he kicks. That was twenty twenty one. Yeah, he he kicks goals. Um, he he's gonna do the majority of the kicking, especially with the weeks. He's probably gonna do more kicking than he did last season. I see him as having the having the upside for sure. Um, but yeah, ham, hammy injuries are tough because they have a high reoccurrence rate. And um, that's part of the reason why he's not in my team at the moment, just because the hammy issue and just like the fact that we haven't seen him yet. Yeah. Um, but as you said, Ricky could just be keeping him on ice. Same as Munster. Like they'll both probably start round one. Yeah. It's also easy to pivot to these guys. If they do come out and they look great um, and he's just dominating these kind of like for him, I suppose, you're not going to get smashed, are you, with like a, an 80 or a 90 with someone like Foggs? He's not like the Sean Johnson type that could do that um, with the running game. So it's like he's a solid running game, but and you don't expect Raiders to come out and be like a top four team. So I suppose he his good scores could be like a 54, 58 kind of thing. And you're not getting killed by that. So you could pivot to it early as well, couldn't you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, after the first, what, three, four, five rounds, like, the draw i mean you've got the buy so the buy being where it is is a little bit hard more hard to pivot to to a fogs because if you want to get him in like around four he's looking good the first few rounds then you got to factor in that buy coming up soon but yeah. round 10 not yeah. too bad plays around 13 oh, round 10. i wish they had the numbers there it's so annoying <laughs> yeah i'll just go back where, where the um the colored one is for round 13 and go back but um yeah obviously 10 and 14 is a bit awkward but he does play 13 16 17 in there as well, which is helpful. But um, yeah, if you're starting with him, I think you're holding him a, a good way through and it's just a very safe pick, isn't it? With the the base that he provides with tackles, the runs and, and the kick meters with the goals, that's four spots that you can score. Whereas guys like Robson, we're just looking at them plotting with tackles and, you know, kind of getting lucky with a try, you know, if someone makes a line break and he's running running through the inside or something like that with, um, whereas, you know, Grant, he's got the expansion pack as well. Uh, safe fast made 359 does he does he excite you he seems to be a bit of a, a running plotter um but again minutes and stuff is a bit of a worry too with the with our checklist as well yeah look he doesn't excite me um he's literally just in my team because he's he's been named in the lock twice in a row um yeah. theoretically if you should be getting if someone's starting at lock um they should probably be in your team um if they're, you know, 350K or below or, you know, 400K or below. Um, but yeah, you look through his previous scores and it's definitely not great. So yeah, he's one of those guys that, because uh, he's not even on the the round one team list because he's got the buy round one, yeah. he's a little bit hard. So he, he's a gamble. He, he could he could go really well. Um, and well, really well, he could average like 40, let's say. Um, yep. and have that 14 points of value um, or he could be a complete flop and he starts at lock, but he only gets 20 minutes and then someone else comes on and pull like <laughs> Bateman moves to the middle and like yeah. takes There's a lot of questions. And yeah. So I'm not excited about it, but 
for that price and for a starting lock, you've got to consider it. I suppose you could pivot to him after the second round or the third round, right? He'd be 400K max, I'd say. It's not like he's 250K and, and could get away from you quick as well. Um, say fast, I think I'm happy to leave. Xavier Willison, one of those guys that if you are going to start with him, you probably want him round one, given he's really cheap. But um, it looks like Pierre Crew is going to be fine. So Willison unlikely to be on that edge. But do we see minutes for him or enough, like near that 30 mark? Or is it he one that we could get stuck with? I think with Flegler moving on, uh, there's the possibility for it. Um, you've obviously got Baker that's come in and there's there's going to be more minutes for the likes of Jensen. And, yeah, I can't even remember who else they have uh, in the yeah, forwards. But stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's just he's he's got upside because he's young, and uh, he could be the Moali from a couple of seasons ago. That's kind of what he was last see- last year, I guess, um, where he's kind of just hitting those twenties, getting that twenty five minutes or whatever. But we saw in the um, All Stars game that he he can he's a big boy now, and he, he can he can make some line breaks and score some tries potentially. So if you start with him. And uh, he comes on for the last, to like or for a period in the second half where the the defense is is tired, and he runs through and gets a line break and offload a couple of tackle busts or whatever, and he ends up with a, a forty score in his rolling average early. Then you can make some good money early and then move him on. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. It's just he's one of those guys that if we don't get better options. He's an okay option, but he's not a great option. <laughs> yeah, can't see him going absolutely crazy. Hey, like it, it could be 10 points of value with 30 minutes or close to 25, 30 minutes, but um, that's not going to kill you, is it? 34% owned though. So I suppose he's, yeah, very, very much of interest for a lot of people, probably just because he is cheap and dual position. Adam Elliott well, made some. Um... Go on. Back on that for one sec. Um, yeah. if, if there's an injury, that's the other thing. If there's an injury in that forward pack, I can see him getting increased minutes. Uh, so if you have him from the start and then you get that good fortune, like he's plodding along getting 25, 30 points. Um, but then round four, a, a Carrigan or a Haas gets suspended or injured, then he's got massive upside. Definitely, mate. Um, Elliot, I've cooled on just a little bit because I think there's that wing fullback slot and and yeah, what you're seeing with your team is having to spend up a little bit elsewhere. And finding it hard to sort of get a, a, another 570s guy if we're looking at Cotter as well. So I still, I'm still high on him. I think he'll do, he'll do really well this year, but he did start, he has started a little bit slower than I thought he would in the trials. So what are your thoughts on Adam? I think he's a, I think he's one of those ones that you can just watch. And if he's yeah. getting them 60 minutes um, after a couple of rounds, then you just bring him in. Yeah. Um, Like the unknown with the, the Knights pack, like, changing around you never know what minutes are gonna no one's guaranteed any specific minutes so i don't know i if he gets 60 minutes yeah he, he's he's in the team but um yeah he didn't look amazing in the trial but he didn't look like the knights didn't look amazing in general so i don't think yeah. you can judge too much on that um but uh yeah i don't think there's too much more to say i think he's just a watch for me yeah, you definitely. I definitely think you'll get those minutes from the start, but um, he didn't look like he was tackle busting, and it'll just be a lot of sort of base. Uh, I'd say with that, mate. You mentioned Rocco Berry at three ninety six. He's in that awkward bracket with sort of Seb Chris and 
um, Sean Russell and and all these types of guys made a bit cheaper than that of Moses Suli. If you wanted to, if he didn't have that kind of cash, what are your thoughts on Rocco? He did improve last year, but is it enough in this team with so many weapons? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a it's a, a bit of a gamble. Like it's it's just one of those things. If he fits into your price range, and if you think the Warriors are going to be good this season. Um, which th- from the trials, they look like they're going to be even better this season than they yeah. were last season. Like the depth that they have is is crazy. And just their forward pack is just incredible. Um, like everyone in their forward pack just put in a massive effort um, the other day. So yeah, I think that he he's going to get a few tries. Um, he only had a, like in the, what you filtered in, they had a 0.2 try scoring rate, which is very low for a center. Yep. Um, and 0.7 try assists. So I think he's got like he could be that he's got the upside of being a 40 guy. Um, and he's got the but he, but he could kind of I wouldn't be surprised if he if he is around that 35, which yeah. is a little bit of value. But yeah, it's one of those if he fits your budget and you're not that keen on Chris, um, then he's a decent option. Or if you're a Warriors fan, chuck him in. Um, but yeah, I won't be starting with him, but he's just an interesting option. Those meters are yuck, 75 meters a game in a team that was so dominant with the ball. Um, Tommy, mate, you've got him in there and we sort of spoke a, a decent amount on him, mate. Is he just sort of a, a guy that you can't see going too much worse than the sort of 40, as you said, but has sort of boom upside up towards maybe what, 55, 60? Yeah, I think, um, what was it the season before? He had yeah, like 80, 70. 80 or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh yeah, like you're gonna imagine, Manly is gonna be better side this season. Everyone, ha- a lot of people have them. 80 is crazy. Yeah. A lot of people have them uh, projected in the top eight, like at that bottom end of the top eight with Brooks coming in. Um, he's had plenty of time to rehab this pec injury now, and his hammy hasn't like has been good since uh, like for you know a year now essentially. So, I think that he has a bunch of upside. And he's just one of those players that he's he tends to get injured a lot. And so if he if he comes out of the blocks firing, um, scoring, you know, 60s and whatnot, everyone will be trying to get them in and no one's going to be able to because no one's going to have that money in wing fullback to, to easily pivot to him. So I think mm. if you start with him, you're in a very good position because a lot of people won't be able to get to him very easily with the two trades. Yeah, it's interesting. You're not trading a 700k mid to him, are you? Most likely. So, no. Uh, all right, Kiraz, mate, another guy we haven't seen yet. Does that worry you uh, for outside backs more than it would for for someone like Fogarty? He's probably not going to be you know pushing off the mark as quick and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm definitely a bit concerned about Kiraz not showing up. I mean, if he had played a trial and looked good, he probably would be in my team uh, or potentially in my team in maybe even in that turbo spot just because mm. he has that uh he has that high upside he's explosive especially when he plays in the centers he gets a lot of offloads um and the dogs theoretically should be better this season um so yeah there's a few factors but i think it's tough to pick him round one at the moment um if he's unless he's named and someone comes out and says he's all good we were just resting him for xyz but I think he had a knee issue or something last season. So they're never great for guys that are explosive and like to step off the 
like do a lot of stepping and whatnot. Yeah, which he does. Um, I think, yeah, a bit of knee, bit of lower back. He's had some issue with, mate. But um, yeah, that's it on all the players, mate. And just any sort of final thoughts on on your current squad. A big thank you to you for jumping on. I know it's um, I know people um, that are watching this really appreciate some other perspectives as well, especially from guys that have, have done really well and put a lot of time into it like yourself. So yeah, big thanks for, for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts on your squad, mate? And you obviously mentioned some of the things that could change as well, but yeah. No, man, I won't, I won't keep you any longer. I, um, I feel like I've recapped, uh, everything pretty well. Right. So, um, yeah, just keen to see the team lists on tomorrow. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's uh, it's finally here. <laughs> Let's get excited um, guys. <laughs> so yeah, even though it's four teams, it's like better than we've had in what, like six months. So we'll take it. Awesome, mate. Maybe just um, any clear reasons why you should join the private group, guys. Obviously, you won some good cash last year as well, which helped. Yeah, um, I think one, it's like it's only fifty bucks this year. Um, so if you spread that out over twenty-seven weeks, like that is really nothing. Um, it's like a cup of coffee a week, less than that. Um, even if you just wanted to be in there for the prizes or just want to be in there for, to ask questions and, and, uh, and whatnot. Like, I think you just get a lot of news early, like, uh, just before coming on here. Um, you know, I found out about the, the SIVO stuff and found out about, um, the strange stuff. You jump in there at any time and people are just chatting away about fantasy and giving their opinions and whatnot. And it's a, it's a strong group. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really good managers, uh, coaches in there and um yeah i think the the community has been been really awesome and and uh during the games everyone's always having a, a good chat and there's a lot of good banter in there so and crying and and crying sometimes when yeah your players get hia or whatnot um get injured so no it's 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 uh it's good it's good to have other people that you can kind of bounce ideas off um I mean, you've obviously got the Discord that uh, that you've had for a while now, but it's a definitely a different vibe. Um, you know, when everyone's not anonymous and uh, their their actual names and Facebook profiles are there, um, there there's not that um, bickering and things like that. Like we're a pretty good group; we all get along with each other, and there's none of that negativity and toxicity that can sometimes be in other um, other forums where people aren't having to put their names to things and and whatnot. So. No, I think it's been it's been really helpful for me and um I'm sure for you as well, even just like bouncing ideas off and seeing different opinions. Yeah, so lots of good coaches in there. Yeah, we're in one chatting one on one all the time in there as well, guys. So yeah, all that information is in the description. The clear big spiel is in the Discord as well, guys. So we've got a few days to get into that. I'm closing it on Friday evening. Um, just so I can get all the head to head sorted and everything like that. So yeah, thanks for coming on, Maddie. I appreciate it and uh hope you guys enjoyed it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. 
The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.